Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. On this podcast, I'm inviting you into my personal library to experience my favorite erotica. All of the volumes that I will read from are on my shelves. Each week, I will treat you to a piece of erotica, either my own or from one of my favorite authors. Some weeks, I will be joined by these amazing authors themselves, and you will have the chance to hear them read their own work. This podcast is being supported by my Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Lori Beth Bisbee. For people who subscribe, you will have access to special interviews with authors and readings and also to special events. So grab your drink of choice, get comfortable, and enjoy a peek into my erotic world. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. Uh, I'm starting this week by reading a selection from my most recent book, which is Chopping Wood, Shaping Metals, and Other Erotic Stories. And today I'm going to start with reading uh, one of the title pieces called Chopping Wood. This story has a nod to a number of TikTok creators that actually inspired the beginnings that brought it into my head so that I would uh, finally get myself to record. So, without further ado, the frost hits her face as soon as she leaves the car. Despite the mask, scarf, glasses, and hood, the icy air penetrates right to her skin and beneath. She begins to shiver. Her thick coat and two layers are no longer warm enough. Her pace is slow as she walks against the wind through the trees to the cottage. It appears as though from a scene in a film, stone and wood, built smoke coming out from the chimney, snow on the low stone wall and the iron gate. Flashes of Hansel and Gretel run through her mind as she chuckles. She brings very little with her for this stay. She plans to spend most of her time in front of the fire, writing and reading. She had the cottage stocked with food prior to her arrival. A few meals have been prepared and placed in the fridge, ready for heating. There is a stock pot, so a good thick soup will be her supper tonight. One of the owners is coming by in the late afternoon to chop some more wood, so she has plenty of wood for the fire. She hopes that she will be able to build decent fires, as her husband usually does this job, and she's never been very good at it. She can keep the fire going usually, but starting it is not her strong suit. Maybe the owner will be willing to come by and start the fire when needed. She'll ask him when she sees him later today. She came upon this cottage by accident while trawling through the Airbnb listings. It was listed as an unusual one and the owner's brothers, one of whom lived in the woods nearby. From their conversations, she ascertained he was somewhat of a recluse, living off the grid as much as possible and keeping himself off of his pension from a lucrative software development career, a few non-fiction how-to books that hit the bestsellers, and most recently, a novel that had taken off. She discovered that he lived alone as he professed solo polyamory, 
meaning many partners, but lives alone and sees his relationship with himself as his primary relationship. His voice was deep with a hint of sarcasm and had peculiarly strong impact on her when they spoke. She has only seen a small headshot of him and noticed his thick, dark, curly hair, five o'clock shadow, aristocratic cleft chin, and thick, juicy lips. She shakes her head to clear it as she crosses the stone lintel and stamps her boots to get rid of the excess snow. She enters the room to a bright fire in the grate. There's a bottle of champagne, a crystal flute, a decanter of what looks like single malt, and a squat crystal glass for the scotch. There is a bowl of fruit in the center of the square, old wood trestle table. She strips off her hood, scarf, and coat, shakes them, and hangs them on the rack by the door. She takes off the boots and leaves them on the mat to dry, strips off the layers she put on against the cold, and is left in her silk thermals and thick, warm socks. The room is lit mostly by the firelight. The thick pile sheepskin rug in front of the fire looks inviting, but she's aware that the wood floor is likely to feel unforgiving on her joints fairly quickly. She chooses instead to pour a glass of the whiskey and sit down on the plush recliner settee and put her feet up as she recovers from the journey. She takes out her phone and connects it to the Wi-Fi as there's no phone signal here. She texts both her lovers to inform them of her safe arrival and clarifies the rules for the trip away. She's been given significant freedom to choose what she does as far as contact with other people. This is to be a restorative trip, and she plans to spend most of it writing, reading, and walking in the trees. Eating good food will be a bonus. Before leaving, she engaged in divination as she'd been having strong flashes of intuition about the trip. The upshot of her work was an admonition to surrender to the moment while she was away. Surrender is a daily practice for her, but surrendering to the moment remains a challenge. She was warned not to second-guess herself. She was told to negotiate before the trip for all eventualities and made it clear to her people that this seemed to have a spiritual bent, though for the life of her she could not figure out what sacred sexual experience she could be exploring on her own, in the middle of the woods. The pandemic meant she'd missed most of her retreats in the last 18 months, so she just thrilled to have that freedom of alone time. She typically takes these retreats in California or Boston through to Maine in the U.S., but the pandemic means that she has had to stay close to home again. The borders are open, so she chose the wilds of Scotland as a location. The Airbnb was not as expensive as it normally would be because of the pandemic. People are desperate to bring tourists back and revive their businesses. Her host did not survive on his Airbnb income. It was an agent of sorts, like pin money, that bit extra you save from the overall household budget put aside for luxuries. Nonetheless, he made it more attractive because she was staying for at least ten days, perhaps two weeks if she could swing it. She booked the two weeks with the understanding she might have to leave after ten days, because he made the price sweet enough. She comes to herself with a start. She almost drifted off. The fire is burning a bit low, so she grabs a log and puts it on and prays for it to catch. She uses some artfully placed paper, and it catches. Smiles to herself, and then heads into the bedroom to unpack her clothes, change into a warm nightshirt and red cashmere robe, 
putting her feet into deep, fluffy sheepskin slippers. She slides on her red cashmere fingerless gloves and lights the fire that was laid in the grate in the bedroom. It catches more quickly than she expects, and she laughs at her good fortune. Once all her things are put where she wants them, she heads into the main room to start dinner. She decides on a thick soup stew of mutton, barley, carrots, onions, parsnips, and sets to chopping the vegetables, browning the chunks of mutton, and throws it all in the crock pot along with water, fresh rosemary, a little garlic, and sage. As everything is cooking, she takes out the loaf of thick rye bread and sets it on top of the aga to warm. She sings as she works, enjoying the preparation of food in this spacious, well-stocked kitchen. While the food cooks, she sits down with a book and reads while sipping scotch in front of the fire. An hour goes by, and she hears a motor stop outside of the cottage. No one comes to the door. Shortly, she hears the thwack sound of the axe splitting wood. At first, that sound makes her startle, but as it goes on, becomes a comfortable, rhythmic sound. She moves to the window and looks outside. Her host has stripped down to his T-shirt in the cold, and his muscles ripple and bulge as he wields the axe almost over his head and brings it down with a satisfying whack, splitting the big log directly in two. She begins to sweat watching him. Watching the sweat start to soak his T-shirt as the axe rises over his shoulder and comes down again with another whack. She jumps this time, even though she knows that it is coming. The more he chops, the more she feels like he is splitting her in two. Her hand snakes down between her legs to her very damp pussy. She parts her slick lips and begins to stroke her clitoris. She leans against the window frame to keep from falling. Whack! 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 He has built up a rhythm. His shirt is now soaked through. He strips it off in the now twilight, the dim orange and amber light sliding over his sweat-dripping chest and back. She groans audibly and strokes herself faster. She's so close that she can no longer keep her eyes open. Just as her orgasm begins, there's a knock at the door. She cannot stop the tide from overtaking her, moans and shivers as it does, so he must knock again before she can bring herself to move towards the door. She retrieves her robe, belts it loosely around her, and lets him in. Her breathing is still ragged. She can barely speak. She motions with her arm to let him in. He looks at her with a slightly bewildered smile at her silence and ragged breathing. "'Are you okay?' he asks." noting the red chest, cheeks, and the glisten of sweat at her hairline, the smell of her pussy overpowering the smell of her very expensive perfume. He licks his lips and allows his grin to spread across his face. The dimples almost bring her to her knees. That mischievous smile is captivating. The energy building between them is tangible, hot, thick, jagged in places. She hasn't closed the door, so he does it for her. He walks to the kitchen sink, runs the hot water, wets a hand towel, and then rubs it over his face, arms, and chest to wash some of the sweat away. She's still frozen, can only watch as the water droplets bead and run down his stomach. Oh. My. God. She thinks as her gaze makes it down to his trousers and she notes the outline of thick, hard cock. Must say something or he'll think I'm dim or crazy, she thinks and struggles to speak. 
Would you like a shower, she asks, the blush deepening on her face until she's scarlet as she imagines herself on her knees in front of him in the large shower room, washing his feet, his legs, moving up his body. She shakes her head to clear it and hears him chuckle. Thank you. I think I just might have one. I'll see you shortly, he says, and heads off to the shower. His voice is sublime. It's far deeper than she expected, and the Scottish brogue is delicious. She has to pay attention in order to hear the words, because the lilt draws her in, and she finds herself listening to the music of his voice and missing the meaning. She sets the table for two as the stew is finished. She makes a salad while she waits for him to exit the shower. He comes out and notes the place settings at the table with a raised eyebrow. My supper is just ready. Would you like to join me? Chopping wood is hungry work, I say, inwardly cringing at the sound of my own words. The snow smile crosses his face again. Yes, I would love to, he replies. Eventually, she ra relaxes into dinner, enjoying the food, drink, and conversation. The last of the sun disappears while they eat. He sh takes his time eating. She enjoys watching him. Every so often she slips off into fantasy, imagining his lips on hers, his tongue, his teeth. A couple of times she has to suppress a moan and blushes beet red. He doesn't ask, just grins and continues to eat. The meal finished, she clears the table. Would you like a coffee, tea, a nightcap? And there's some cherry pie for dessert, she says. Black coffee and I would have a piece of pie, he replies. She sets the coffee brewing, the reassuring drip reminding her of home. She busies herself tidying the kitchen while waiting for the coffee to finish. She can feel his eyes on her, keeping her blush alive. She brings him a large mug of coffee, a piece of warm cherry pie with a dollop of fresh whipped cream, takes a mug for herself and a small piece of pie, and joins him at the table. They eat quietly. This is good pie, he says. Thanks. I love baking when I have the opportunity, she replies. He continues to stare at her and smiles as her blush becomes scarlet again under his gaze. Let's move to the settee, he says. Before he settles down with her, he goes outside and gathers some of the wood. Looks like it might snow, he says as he comes in with the wood and sets to building up the fire again. The glow on his bare chest almost makes her drool. He comes to the settee and settles next to her, this close. His musk is overwhelming and she doesn't manage to fully suppress a groan. Now her face is vermilion. Is something wrong, he asks, the Glaswegian lilt filled with humor. Not wrong, she stammers. You smell, he doesn't let her finish the sentence, rather draws her into a kiss. He takes her lips, devouring them, pushing his tongue between her teeth. She opens to him and feels him pouring into her. His energy is dark, yet sweet, intoxicating, enticing. She feels him moving through her body until he is filling every available molecule. She hasn't even the will to kiss him back. All she can do is surrender. The kiss seems endless. His hands move to her face as he adjusts the angle of her head. She has a fleeting thought. This is one of those movie moments I always find so hot before pulling herself back into the present. He presses his thumb up into the flesh under her jaw, causing her to gasp. 
sucks on her tongue, chews on it until she feels a bit of pain, but not enough that she'd want to pull away. Her nipples tighten as she moans into his mouth. She opens her eyes, and he is staring straight into her. His eyes dance with amusement. "'Shall we get more comfortable, lass?' he says, as he leads her towards the bedroom. The four-poster bed was one of the selling points of this cottage, even though she thought she would be spending the time alone. He helps her out of the robe, takes off her nightshirt. She's a curvy girl, yet he lifts her as though she were insubstantial, made of only air. He places her in the center of the bed on her back, then spreads her legs wide and moves her, her arms up over her head. He's still in his jeans. He moves to a wardrobe and pulls a key out of his pocket. It's an old-fashioned skeleton key, and he has to jiggle it in the lock. He reaches inside and grabs a handful of lengths of blood-red silk, deposits the pile on the bed next to her, and then brings out a half-dozen red and black pillar candles. He places these around the room and lights them, the golden flickering glow all that illuminates the space apart from the moonlight streaming through the window. She notices that the curtains remain open, and then silently chides herself. There's no one within miles of this cottage to see her nakedness. I would like to make full use of this bed and tie you to the posts. Your safe word is red. Say yellow if you need me to back off. Otherwise, I assume you're enjoying yourself. Do you understand? Yes, she almost sighs. Good. You may call me Maestro. Do you have any questions? No, Maestro. Do you consent to surrender to me for this time? Yes, Maestro. And with that, he ties her feet to the bottom two posts and her arms to the top two. He stands next to the bed and slowly strips off his jeans. He is commando, and his half-hard cock springs to attention. She groans as he starts to slowly stroke himself. Can you see, girl? he says. She can only moan. Let me get a little closer, he says, as he climbs on top of her, straddling her chest with his glorious ass, resting on her tits. She watches in awe as his girth increases. He's above average in length, but not frighteningly large. His girth looks to be well above average. His chest beads with sweat again, so his musk permeates the room. She's enveloped in his scent wants to taste him so badly. A few minutes of stroking and he moves up to her face so his balls are over her mouth. Open, he instructs. She opens her mouth wide as he lowers his balls to her lips. Her tongue flicks out over his balls and she's rewarded with his first groan. She lips his balls, exploring, running her tongue between, around, sucking his sack into her mouth, nibbling as she sucks, until he rasps out a sharp, Stop! as she does as she's told, chuffed to hear him panting above her. He leans over her and rubs his cock round her face, pressing into her cheeks, over her lips, into her hair. He grabs a handful of soft curls and wraps them round his dick, groaning as he begins to stroke. He strokes harder, faster, his sweat landing on her face. She wishes desperately that she had her hands free so she could stroke her kitty in rhythm with his thrusts. She salivates at the thought and almost drools. Suddenly, he stops stroking above her. With effort, he moves off her face and chest and lies down next to her. He runs his thumb around her lips and presses on them until she opens her mouth. 
He strokes her tongue until she starts sucking, licking his thumb. She feels the pull of heat, energy from deep in her vagina up through to her mouth. She feels as though she were going from solid to liquid when heated just like coconut oil. He removes his thumb and runs his fingers and then his tongue to her neck where he sucks, bites, and then bites just a bit harder. His teeth are sharp and she is sure he will draw blood. She can't decide if she craves this or if it terrifies her. He doesn't draw blood, just moves lower to her nipples and begins to suckle in earnest. The energy intensifies and the pull becomes stronger. Her moaning becomes plaintive cries as she crashes into orgasm. He continues to suckle as she recovers past the point when it begins to feel too much, but she stays with it. He moves down her body, licking, sucking, nibbling until he reaches her mons. He starts to nibble around the top, down the outer lips, licking up the nectar that's gathering there. She moans, thrusting her hips up, wanting more contact with his mouth, lips, tongue, teeth. Do you want something, he says, and she can hear the humor in his deep, lilting voice. Yes, maestro, please, she gasps. He stops. Ask for what you want, he says, the humor gone from his voice. Your lips, your tongue, your mouth on my pussy, my clit. Please, maestro, she stammers, still not good at voicing her desires clearly. Seconds pass into a minute as he looks at her. Time stretches until finally he runs his tongue over her clitoris. She screams with pleasure. He sets to tasting her, sucking, licking, nibbling as she moans, cries, scream in pleasure. Her orgasm is quick and hard. He laps up her juices and slides two fingers inside her, pulsating pussy quickly finding the G-spot and setting up the finger pattern that is bound to make her squirt. She doesn't like to squirt until she actually does it. The getting there feels too intense. She hates the stimulation of the urethra so that she feels like she needs to pee even though she knows she doesn't. She could call red, but doesn't really want to. This is one of those love-hate things. She has a number of those when it comes to sex, and especially kink and BDSM. He drums on her G-spot, fucks a rhythm that makes her hoarse from screaming. When she's close, he can feel it, and he can feel her holding back. Let go for me, lassie. Open to me, he says, and she feels something shift inside her, and then the orgasm overtakes her like a tsunami. She soaks his face his arm, the sheets, and he roars in triumph. Without allowing her to rest, he slides up her body and buries his cock deep in her cunt. He stretches her so that she makes penetration just a bit painful. She's still restrained, making meeting his thrusts impossible. All she can do is receive what he chooses to give. He fucks her faster, harder, increasing tempo until she knows he is ever so close to coming and stops when he's at the edge. Pulling out of her, he slides up her body, straddling her chest again, and wraps his pulsating dick in her hair. He groans as he slides into her silken curls, the silken slight abrasiveness of the hair, adding to the increased arousal as he objectifies her. He takes only seconds to erupt, spurts of hot cum, soaking her hair. He runs a cum-soaked finger over her lips, and she sucks it greedily into her ravenous mouth, his taste intense, smoky, and sweet. He strokes her face, slowly climbs up off of her, and heads to the loo to clean up. She can hear him singing softly as he towels off. He comes back to the bed and asks, Do you need to use the loo, lass? Yes, maestro, she says. He releases her, and she sits up slowly. 
He rubs the feeling back into her limbs, and she yelps in pain. She heads to the loo, debates showering and washing her hair when she hears him at the door. Not yet. I'm not finished with you, he says softly but firmly. She comes back to the bedroom. Upon the bed, he says, she complies. He's quickly atop her and slaps her across the face. Tears spring to her eyes from the pain and the shock. He traces his fingerprints as a slow smile spreads across his face. His cock is already hard again and pulsing. He reads the question in her eyes. Because I want to. There is no other reason, he says. One tear rolls down her cheek. He tastes it and sighs in pleasure. On your knees, lass, he says. He positions her with a bolster under her to lift her ass high. He pushes cold, lubed fingers into her ass, rubs his dick around her asshole. She breathes deeply, willing herself to relax. The more relaxed she is, the more likely it is that she'll enjoy this if he lets her. He strokes slowly into her ass. His girth makes this far more difficult than she expects. After a few minutes, the pleasure begins alongside the pain. She moans as he presses into her. It feels as though she will split in two. Her moans become screams as she gets closer to orgasm. That's right, lass. Open more for me, he rasps. She breathes deep and wills her body to let him in further. He picks up his pace, stroking fully, all the way in as deep as he can go and then out except for the thick head of his dick. She wishes she could stroke her clit as he begins to pound into her. All she can do is ride the wave with him. He pours energy into her with each thrust that rushes through her body, bringing every nerve ending alive, causing her to feel he is fucking every single atom of her being. She feels her orgasm begin as she moans, Please, 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 but she doesn't know what she's begging for. The first orgasm gives way to a second and then a third in quick succession as he comes deep inside her asshole. He collapses on top of her, nibbles on her ear until his breathing slows down a bit and starts to approach normal. She goes to move and he holds her down, growling in her ear. She's perfectly still as he bites the back of her neck, growling as he chews. There's a direct connection from his teeth to her pussy. Juice overflowing. She rubs her pussy into the bolster beneath her, desperate, trying to push herself into another orgasm. Stop that, lass, he growls. She wails in protest, but stops. After a while, he rolls off her and leads her to the shower. He takes his time washing her body, her hair, and especially her kitty until she's purring. So close, but he will not let her come again. She washes him thoroughly. He dries her with lots of big fluffy towels, wraps her in a robe, and leads her into the lounge to the sheepskin rug before the fire. She lies down as he busies himself in the kitchen, bringing back two hot whiskey drinks and some biscuits as refreshment. She's quiet as they eat and drink, feeling off-balance but happy. "'A penny for your thoughts, lass?' he asks. "'I'm not really thinking, just feeling, maestro,' she replies. "'You will need some rest, or you'll not get anything done. "'I'll tuck you in and be back tomorrow to check the fires and chop some more wood,' he says, "'a chuckle evident in his voice.' Your will, maestro, she replies as she yawns. He picks her up, carries her to bed, and tucks her under the big sumptuous duvet. He kisses her on the forehead and then again traces the finger mark still lingering on her face. Good night, lass, he says. Good night, maestro, she replies. She is asleep before he makes it out of the cottage. Thanks for joining me this week. Um, 
we had the play party on the 2nd of April, and it was off the chain. This fundraiser was fab. Everybody had an absolute blast. It was so much fun, and there were so many unexpected surprises that we are doing it again. Put it in your calendar now. Mark it for the 30th of May. That's the 30th of May, 2021. There will be another virtual play party that's being sponsored by me, House of Fendragon, which is my house, and the House of Blue, again. We'll be running this one as um, a fundraiser as well. It's going to be so much fun. Kinky Binko will make a reappearance and there will be um, a variety of games, activities and demonstrations, prizes and um, a really cool raffle as part of the event. It will start at 10 p.m. UK time. So that is 2 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Mountain, 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern. 10 p.m. UK, 11 p.m. Central European time. And it will run until 6 a.m. UK time. Yes, I said it. 6 a.m. UK time. Last time we finished it, about 6.30. So, be prepared. If you're in the UK or Europe, get some sleep in advance. Last time we had people from all over the U.S., the U.K., a couple from Europe, and one from Australia came and spent time with us as well. Pay attention to my website, drlauribethbisbee.com, in the events tab, because tickets will soon go on sale, and if you're an early bird, you will get an extra special piece of merch to go with your ticket. So do make sure to grab... As always, if you get somebody else to buy a ticket, you get an entry into the raffle. Our raffles are of good quality toys and um, sometimes books. So um, definitely make sure that you pay attention to that. And come back next week to hear more of my erotic library. Be safe. And have a good time. See you all soon. Thanks for joining me on this erotic adventure. Join me again next week for more exciting erotica. Visit my websites, drlauribethbisbee.com and drlauribethbisbee.press for more information about what I'm doing and what services are available. Check out my weekly internet radio show, The A to Z of Sex, on the Health and Wellness Channel, VoiceAmerica.com, Thursdays at 11 a.m. PST, 2 p.m. EST, 7 p.m. BST, and that's a live show. If you've got suggestions for this show or authors you'd like to hear, email me at laurybeth at drlauribethbisbee.press. Have a great week.